All right, and welcome back to another episode of Fantasy Football with Gumbo. My name is Ja, and I am your host today. All right, we're going to go ahead and talk some more about some fantasy football. Football. And I'm going to give you guys some tips, tricks, and advice to go ahead and help you out during week 14. This is a big week. This is a playoff clinching week, and we got a lot at stake. If you guys play in money leagues, got some money on the line, uh, this might be a big week for your seating. And obviously, most importantly, we want to go ahead and figure out what players we might want to stash. I'm going to talk about some players that you guys should stash on your fantasy lineups, on your fantasy benches that might be able to provide you some value uh, as we get into the trenches these next few weeks. So uh, once again, if you guys have not already, make sure you go down and subscribe to the podcast. Uh, Welcome back to Fantasy Football with Gumbo. And let's get right into it. Uh, I want to talk about some sleepers that you guys need to pick up and add to your fantasy lineups your fantasy teams over you know these next few days because you know we got a big game this week and a lot of y'all might be fighting for your lives right now for the playoffs but if some of y'all have secured if some of y'all have clinched or if you expect your lineup to you know come out with a w this week and you know you're going to be in the playoffs then this is going to be a really important podcast for y'all in terms of hey who should i stash who can provide me some upside Maybe I'm like a wild card team. I got in at the six seed, the five seed, the seven seed, however many teams are in your playoffs. Maybe you were a lower seed. Let's get you some value off the uh, off the waiver wire and see if that can go ahead and help you score a couple extra points uh, over these next few important playoff weeks. And let's go ahead and start in Pittsburgh because uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers play the New England Patriots. And I'll just keep it short. I love the Patriots defense this week. I think they got juice this week against the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers offense that cut their offensive coordinator, Matt Canada, a couple of weeks ago. They have a backup quarterback in Mitch Trubisky. Deontay Johnson, outside of a touchdown he caught last week, is averaging around four fantasy points a game, which if we're going to translate that to his real-life production in the NFL, less than stellar. You know, it's less than less than great. So right now... If I'm looking at the matchup for the Patriots defense, which has it allowed the Patriots defense has allowed a total of 26 points over the last three weeks. They stopped the Chargers and limited the Chargers to six points last week. Justin Herbert, Kellen Moore, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, and them boys. The weeks prior to they played the Giants and the Colts. Not two stellar offenses, but over basically this last month, they haven't allowed a team more than 10 points in a game. Now you get Mitch Trubisky, a team without an offensive coordinator, and a bunch of frustrated weapons. I think this lines up for a big Patriots day, and I think they're kind of valued right now. Uh, as far as defensive and special teams pickups, because, you know, they're I think they're at value right now because people don't believe in the Patriots. Your league mates are probably writing off the Patriots as one of the worst teams in the league. Obviously, those defensive standings right now, I think they're like either in the middle or the bottom half of fantasy defenses. So they just haven't gotten that respect this year. Everything around New England has been negative. But the Patriots defense over the last three weeks is actually pretty, pretty, pretty good for fantasy. Once again, they haven't allowed more than 10 points in a game in the last month. And I think we could see more of the same in a low scoring game between the Patriots and Steelers uh, this week. A sleeper who's probably, he's probably most likely rostered in your league, but he's still someone that I think provides tremendous value 
if he's available in your 10 team league, uh, maybe you play in a family league, something like that, in which, you know, people are maybe not as invested. Uh, Keaton Mitchell, running back for the Ravens, is a dog. He's explosive, and we're starting to kind of see his touches, his snap share all gravitate, you know, and uh, into a better position, right? So Keaton Mitchell saw the first carry in the Ravens game last week. He outpaced all the running backs in terms of touches. And on the season, Keaton Mitchell is averaging north of 10 yards per carry, which is incredible. So you can kind of do the math. Over the first few weeks, he's averaged, you know, around eight carries a game. He's averaging, obviously, north of 10 yards a game. So if you just do the math and break down the averages, the guy's getting you around eight to 10 points in fantasy football. Uh, but the thing about Keaton Mitchell that I think is really going to start to pick up is I just I just think it's his amount of carries. Because the Ravens have always been a run for his team, even though they have Todd Monken at the helm instead of a Greg Roman. Uh, I do think that this team is going to gravitate towards running the ball more often during the winter months. They play in Baltimore. They play outside. There's going to start to become, you know, more incidents of weather, of rain, of snow, whatever it might be. It's going to start to get messy in Baltimore. And their identity for the last 25 years has been run the ball, roughneck football, as Dugo would say. And I think that's something that Harbaugh is going to go ahead and lean into because at the core of everything, that's their identity. So Keaton Mitchell and Gus Edwards are two guys who I think are going to really pick up. I know for a fact Gus Edwards is rostered in in your league, so I know he's not available. But if Keaton Mitchell is, he's somebody that I think y'all need to pay attention to. Uh, Most likely he's probably not available, but someone who is available and someone who's going to be in that game is Isaiah Likely. I know I kind of went off unlikely a couple weeks ago and I told you guys that him being a replacement for Mark Andrews won't be anything special. He hasn't exactly um, gone out there and had like a crazy, crazy game. But I did watch the game Baltimore played prior to their bye against the uh, against the Los Angeles Chargers. And while likely only had about six points for fantasy, he was tight end 20 on that week. I do think that he has room for improvement. I think I somewhat underrated his athleticism. Some of the catches and routes that I saw him run, he looked just like a big-ass wide receiver. And I think that's going to be crucial because he has size. He's going to be a red zone target just because of that size. Like, you think about Zay Flowers, and you think about Odell, and uh, Nelson Aguilar, and Devin, Devin DuVernay, and who's the other guy? Rashad Bateman. They're all smaller receivers. They aren't exactly red zone targets those are guys who get open middle of the field right and they make big plays happen big yak guys but they're not dudes who are jumping over linebackers and uh like the end zone the red zone is kind of where linebackers and their pass coverage i think it leans more into the linebackers favor because there's less room for you to kind of scurry around and so now you have to outsize these bigger targets when you run these routes and while the Ravens have explosive wide receivers, they aren't, I guess, like the typical definition of a red zone target. And that's where Isaiah Likely can eat. And while he didn't have a great game last week, he had a bye. Or I'm sorry, he had a bye last week, but the game against the Chargers wasn't anything crazy. I do think his role grows. I had some time to think about it, and I was wrong uh, when I said that, you know, Likely wouldn't wouldn't have a big impact on this team. He has the potential to uh, be a pretty serviceable tight end for all you teams who need a tight end moving forward. And if he's, avail- if he's available, 
He is someone that I 100% think that you should go out there and get. Go out there and try. He's a great tight end, too, especially if you play in 10-man leagues. But moving forward, Kyron Williams, dog. Cooper Cup, kind of a dog. Uh, Cooper Cup over the last few weeks has not been what you drafted him to be. He had his best week in about two months uh, last week against the Cleveland Browns, my guy had eight targets, six receptions, 39 yards, but he got into the end zone and scored a touchdown. Uh, that was huge for him. He ended the week as wide receiver 21 on the season against a tough Cleveland defense, but he's going to go ahead and play Baltimore this week. Two of the toughest defenses in the NFL. He's going to be the focal point of their defensive scheme outside of Kyron Williams, who's been going crazy. He's a dog. He's a league winner. He is on a roster and that roster is probably in the playoffs. Uh, but Cooper cup is for me, man, he's, he's a wide receiver. I got to put respect on Cooper cups name. He's a low end wide receiver too for me right now. He's going into my lineup every single week. And if I have him on my squad and I'm going into the playoffs, I'm, I'm starting, I'm starting Cooper cup. I'm starting him. I live and die by Cooper Cup. If you're in the playoffs with Cooper Cup, that means you have a great, well-rounded team, and you're not necessarily relying on him to do a whole lot. So he's known to do a whole lot, and it feels like he's going to, you know, progress to the mean. So if you get that big Cooper Cup performance and you're a team that's well-rounded, you're a team that has a lot of weapons, that is going to damn near guarantee you a, a win. Right. It's going to guarantee you a win during the most crucial weeks of the season, which are weeks 15, 16 and 17, because that's your Shiva run. That's your title run. Those are your playoffs. You need big performances from big name players. And that is not the time to sit your studs. One thing I got to make clear to all y'all at home who maybe this is your first time in the playoffs. Maybe you got a lot of pressure. Maybe you are playing in a home league with all the boys and, you know, you want to go ahead and win this league so you can talk shit. This is when you start your studs, yo. Like, don't overthink this. Don't be starting random dudes off the waiver wire just because of the upside. Start your studs. The guys who performed this year, you know who they are. Put them into the position to perform. Like, if you have a Puka Nakua and you're going into the playoffs, you got to start Puka. You got to start Puka. He's going to have some down games. He's going to have some up games, but you can't predict them. I would never expect Puka Nakua to go off and score a 60, 70-yard touchdown against the Cleveland Browns. None of us projected that, but it happened because he gets his target and because he's a great wide receiver. Targets plus performance equals fantasy football greatness, right? So you got to go out there and you got to start the guys who have proven to be great. Don't get too concerned about the matchups. Start your best players. Start the guys who have... Like, if you got to break it down, I always lean towards fantasy points per game. That's a metric you can see, especially if you play on sleeper. But just start the guys who go out there and score you points and live and die with those results because ultimately, that's what they're there for. If you have a Brees Hall and you're in the playoffs, which means you have a well-rounded team. Because Brees Hall ain't been good this year. He's had some good games, but he's been pretty inconsistent. If you're in the playoffs with Brees Hall in your lineup, it's because you have a well-rounded team. Play Brees Hall. Because when he gets a good week, that'll take your well-rounded team to something even better. And when you're in the playoffs playing the best of the, be the, best, of the best that your fantasy football league has to offer, being able to add a big Brees Hall 
performance to your team that on average scores a decent amount of points, that's going to guarantee you a win in a week in which you might need it. Start your studs. Don't overthink it. And speaking of studs, I want to go ahead and talk about this Atlanta Falcons and Tampa Bay Buccaneers matchup because it's interesting. Mike Evans, wide receiver, he's been going crazy. He is a value. Players in your league with Mike Evans are more than likely, you know, they're pressing to get into the playoffs or they are already into the playoffs. You start Mike Evans this week. Mike Evans goes against a Atlanta Falcons defense. It's not a bad defense, right? Like they, the Falcons defense is actually one of the highlights of their team. But in terms of matchup and things like that, I mean, some people would say that they are above average, especially with uh, with their cornerbacks, right? So, long story less long, Mike Evans, lock and load starter every single week, and this week I'm also starting Bijan because, like I said earlier, trust your players. Start your studs. Moving forward, you can't – I don't think you can take the risk. And let me say this concisely. I don't think that you can take the risk of starting some random dude you pick up off waivers off of – as opposed to any of your studs. So, like, if you're a halfway Bijan purist, but then you're also a halfway Arthur Smith hater, right, you might talk yourself into a situation in which you're considering starting someone else over Bijan because of the matchup that week or because of what you predict Arthur Smith's going to do. You can't you can't do that. Right? Like you have to play the guys who are projected to score. Mike Evans is projected to score. He's in my lineup as a wide receiver too. Bijan's projected projected to score. He's in my lineup as a low-end wide receiver or running back one this week. I'm not starting Desmond Ritter. If I had to stream a quarterback this week, which I actually kind of want to talk about more, uh Baker Mayfield is someone I'm actually considering. Baker Mayfield on the season is QB 16. So, you know, he's basically a QB two, but he has boom weeks. He has weeks in which he'll throw, you know, a couple of touchdowns to Mike Evans or Chris Godwin, and he'll end the week as a top 10 quarterback. So, you know, the last time he played the Atlanta Falcons, he ended the week as QB 11, 42 pass attempts, 27, 27 of those were completed, 275 yards. So about 10 yards a pass. And my guy had a touchdown and a pick. The yardage and that touchdown alone really helped. And then Baker, who has underrated legs, uh, ran three times for 32 rushing yards. You can kind of do the math on that. Fuck around with the projections as much as you want to. But, you know, in a lot of leagues, Baker Mayfield had a pretty dang good week for, you know, a streaming option. And I think that he can replicate that this week in a dome because the first game they played was in Tampa. Uh, Baker gets to play in a dome versus the Falcons. No adverse weather. His spiral is going to spiral a little bit tighter. And I think that, you know, he can go out there and get you another 18 points this week. I could see the Buccaneers who are pressing for a playoff push, who Baker Mayfield wants to show what he can do. He's going to go out there motivated. I'm thinking two touchdowns, maybe a turnover. I see north of 225 yards. And, you know, maybe he has, you know, a decent run to go ahead and get him, let's say, 15 rushing yards on the day. But with those numbers all put together, let's say 225, 15 rushing yards, um, you're talking about two touchdowns and let's say a turnover. Right. Let's 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 humble the guy a little bit. 
Uh, right now, that would be projected to get you around 20 points if you play, you know, uh, six-point passing touchdowns. If you play with four points, then it's, you know, 16 to 18. But regardless, that's pretty good for a streaming option. And we're talking about there's a lot of teams this week who are going to be without a Trevor Lawrence, some teams who may have been streaming since the Deshaun Watson and Joe Burrow situation. Somebody to look out for, yo. Uh, next game I want to talk about is Lions and Bears. Got Lions winning this game. Justin Fields is going to be Justin Fields, and he's going to be a nice low-end QB1. He started before you if you got him. On the Detroit Lions side of things, I do like the fact that the Bears added some pass rush. They added a Montez Sweat. I believe this Detroit Lions offensive line is relatively good, but if the if the Bears are going to stand a chance, they're going to need to get some pass rush at least more pass rush than what the Lions, you know, faced last week against the Saints. But I would say if I'm starting anyone from the Lions, Jamison Williams has been a boom robust option, but I think that this is a boom week. I think he's going to go out there as the second or third option, you know, in the passing attack, and he's going to get a big play. He's going to get his two catches like he always does. Uh, But Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery are going to have big games, and I think this could be a David Montgomery revenge game. So, you know, just based off pure emotion, based off the fact that I project the Lions to win this game and maybe even win by a lot, I think David Montgomery has some value not only in fantasy football lineups, but DFS lineups as well. Amon Ross St. Brown is going to do Amon Ross St. Brown things. I think he plays his brother, uh, Equinemius, who plays for the Bears. And I would expect Amon Ra to either have, you know, a fair amount of catches or a touchdown just based off pure emotion. Uh, but also based off the fact that the Bears' pass defense is pretty cake, right? Receivers typically perform fairly well against them. And I think Amon Ra, who's one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, he's going to have a big game against the Lions. DJ Moore might pick up garbage time duty, potentially. Cole Komet's definitely a startable asset at tight end, uh, just because he's going to walk into targets. And moving on from that game, we're going to talk about Colts. Bangles. Bangles. Jake Browning quarterback for the Bengals uh had a pretty good game last week he hyper targeted jamar chase i would expect more of that throughout the season if you have jamar chase and you're in the playoffs good for you because there's a chance that jamar chase could end up with more targets than if he was playing with the joe burrow who's a little bit more confident in the scheme who's a little bit more confident in the offense and would probably spread the ball around a little bit more jake browning didn't have a training camp i think he won his first game last week first game in years And honestly, I don't think he's going to have as much comfort as a Joe Burrow would within this offense. So I could see Jamar Chase just getting hyper-targeted as the wide receiver one. He's going to always be the first read, and nobody loves a first read more than a backup quarterback. T. Higgins, he's going to be hit or miss. There's going to be a game in which he scores a touchdown and he'll be startable, but you can't predict those games. Am I starting him this week? No. But if he's my best option and I'm considering between, you know, T. Higgins and let's say, I don't know, someone like uh, who's a good like a Tutu Atwell or if I'm considering T. Higgins versus Romeo Dobbs. Dobbs over Higgins, Higgins over Tutu. I like Higgins as like a wide receiver, high end wide receiver four, maybe wide receiver three if I play in a 12 team league or larger but when it comes to this Bengals offense I really don't trust anyone besides the two primary playmakers 
and that's going to be Jamar Chase, who's going to be force-fed targets, and that's going to be Joe Mixon, who's going to try to, you know, do more on the offense so they can get more points. Last week, Joe Mixon had two touchdowns. I think his usage is, his usage is actually going to increase the rest of the season, just as the Bengals fight for a playoff spot with the backup quarterback. Colts, Gardner Minshew against the Bengals. I want to say that's a start for me if I'm streaming quarterbacks. Trey Hendrickson for the Bengals is an elite pass rusher, but the Indianapolis Colts have a pretty strong offensive line as one of the stronger focal points on the offense. And I think they should be able to protect Gardner and give him time in the backfield. You know, Zach Moss is a good running back, but he's no JT. I think they asked Gardner to do a little bit more. I like Gardner as a starter this week. Zach Moss against the Cincinnati Bengals. RB2 flex type of guy for me this week. Um, Michael Pittman's Michael Pittman. Do what you all do what you always do with Michael Pittman. Jaguars with CJ Behart versus the Cleveland Browns. Two quarterbacks I'm not super excited about. If there's anyone in this matchup I really do like, um, it's going to be Jerome Ford for the Cleveland Browns. I think Cleveland takes advantage of the fact that Jacksonville has a backup quarterback, and they're going to try to play the clock with this one. So what I mean by play the clock is they're going to run the ball, keep the ball off the offense's hands, and force the backup quarterback to do more with less opportunities. That's what I would do if I was a coach. But I think Jerome Ford is going to get a ton of opportunity in this game. It's two backups. It's, you know, Joe Flacco or DTR versus Beathard. Not excited to start anyone. But similar to Jamar Chase, you know, Calvin Ridley might see an uptick in terms of targets and opportunities with him being the first read. And also with Christian Kirk now uh, projected to miss the majority of the rest of the fantasy season and the NFL season. So Calvin Ridley's a startable asset for me. They may not be great targets, but he's going to get his targets. Him and uh, Evan Ingram are two guys that I think see an uptick in targets, but maybe death of target isn't what it used to be, uh, which is kind of what neutralizes some of the upside. Panthers, Saints, Derek Carr, bunch of injuries. Don't know if he'll play. Love Alvin Kamara regardless. He gets the Panthers defense, which has been pretty stingy against the run game. But with, uh, you know, with Kamara being more of a reception option this year, I see him being utilized either which way. If they got a pass, they'll pass to Kamara. If they got a run, they'll run with Kamara. He's going to get his opportunities. Don't know if there's going to be a ton of Kamara owners in the playoffs. Maybe. But he is the best thing you could have at flex. I think he's one of my favorite flex options for the rest of the playoffs. For a reference point, rest of the year, Kamara gets week 15, the New York Giants. In week 16, he gets the Los Angeles Rams. And in week 17, he gets the Buccaneers. All right. And a quarterback that I like for the rest of the season is actually a quarterback for Green Bay. No surprise. Number 10, Jordan Love is somebody that I feel really confident in moving forward for the rest of the season. And, you know, truthfully, I think you guys need to be as well. Jordan Love has been killing it the last few weeks. And when I say killing it, I mean, he's been everything you could dream of as a Packer fan and maybe even more for fantasy football purposes. Jordan love is quarterback nine on the season, which, you know, kind of goes to show how effective he's consistently been regardless of the fact that he may be turned a corner just a few weeks ago. He's been a pretty, like he's been a pretty good quarterback over the course of the season. He typically has a floor of around, let's say maybe 16 ish points, 
but his ceiling is up there with anyone else. Over the past three weeks, he's finished no lesser than QB10 on the week uh, as a fantasy football quarterback. Looking at his matchups moving forward, he gets the New York Giants, he gets the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and he gets the Carolina Panthers. Now, over the next three weeks, the Giants game is going to happen in the final week of our fantasy football season. And then he gets the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in week one of the playoffs, Panthers in week two of the playoffs. And then if you're still in the Shiva with Jordan Love as your quarterback, you'll be up against the Minnesota Vikings. Um, and I would assume that's probably going to be a game that's going to be filled with a lot of playoff positioning. Intense, you know, it's an, an intense divisional rivalry. And I would assume that the Packers, similar to the Lions game, they're going to be out looking for blood and they're going to want to go out there and score points. Uh, Jordan Love now has the pressure to complete what he started over these last few weeks, and he's going to have to be on his A game. Now, when I look at these next few matchups, I like the game this week against the Giants. He's a start for me there. And I even like the game after that, uh, in which Jordan Love is going to go up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, when we get to week 16 with Carolina, we'll see how the Carolina defense holds up over these next couple of weeks. Um, there's been some adjustments on the Panthers coaching staff. So ideally, I mean, if the Panthers continue to dominate passing offenses, then we would substitute maybe someone else in if, and I repeat, if we have suitable replacement options. But like I said earlier, if you don't, then you got to start your studs. So moving forward with Jordan Love, if he's available, he needs to be on your rosters. Chances are he's probably rostered already. Uh, but I really like Tucker Craft as a tight end replacement as well over these next couple of weeks. And if Luke Musgrave is available on your waivers, on the bench, he is someone that I am absolutely picking up, putting him in my IR, and I'm going to go ahead and wait the couple of weeks to get Luke Musgrave. Now, the reason I'm interested in Luke Musgrave is primarily because during the time in which he was on the field, he was consistently targeted. He had an average of around four to five targets per game, which is pretty decent, pretty good for a tight end. Uh, but he has yards after catch ability, and he seemed to be one of Jordan Love's favorite targets. Now, Luke Musgrave has been out since week 12. So over the last couple of weeks, he has m missed games due to being on IR. He's going to miss this week 14 game against the Giants. And then after that, in week one of the fantasy football playoffs, he'll still be on IR. But week 16 gets interesting because he plays the Panthers. Week 17 is interesting because he's out there against the Vikings. Luke Musgrave is one of those sit and wait guys. So if I'm struggling at tight end, let's say I lost a Darren Waller or I lost a Mark Andrews and I'm trying to steam, stream tight ends in the meantime, Luke Musgrave is absolutely someone who I'm preserving in my IR slot. So he's not taking up an actual bench slot. But if I have IR availability, I'm picking him up, I'm putting him in my IR, and I'm saving him in case I need him in week 16 or 17. Now, we would hope that he's back to full strength by week 16, so there's not too much of an adjustment. But in the case that, let's say, we don't start him and, you know, maybe our goal is week 17, uh, he has a pretty decent matchup against the Vikings, who are middle of the road against tight ends, especially for fantasy purposes. And, you know, that's a I think between week 16 and week 17, Musgrave once again has a pretty decent tight end game um, and he can go ahead and get your low end tight end one numbers if you're in a pinch. 
Um, and if you find yourself just dreaming anyone, um, you know, within the tight end category at your tight end spot, Luke Musgrave won't be a uh, terrible replacement moving forward. Uh, a couple other guys that I like this week for week 14. Parker Washington. I'm going to dub him for right now. I'm not picking up Parker Washington. I know that he was a hot waiver wire guy. Uh, but he's someone that I kind of want to see what C.J. Beathard looks like. Once again, I think C.J. Beathard's going to go ahead and over-target his wide receiver one. He's going to over-target his you know, first and second reads. That's going to be Evan Ingram and Calvin Ridley. Third read would probably be a short pass out to ETN. I don't see these replacement receivers getting all too much work. Uh, when I look at the Texans and Jets game, C.J. Stroud is going to play one of the better defenses he's played. I think he'll realize that on Sunday, but I do still think that some guys have value. If Dalton Schultz is available, I like Dalton Schultz in this matchup. Uh, As far as the Jets, it looks like they're going to have Zach Wilson starting once again at quarterback. If that is the case, I like Greg Zerline as a kicker option this year because the Jets, while they aren't amazing with Zach Wilson, they typically do end up getting closer to, you know, field goal range. Uh, So them being that much more efficient while still being almost inept at scoring touchdowns I think that really helps out the Jets kicker I don't love Garrett Wilson regardless of who the quarterback is but I like Brees Hall a little bit more and I like Brees Hall a little bit more because Zach Wilson is a little bit better than some of the options they have at quarterback there such as Trevor Simeon you know and so forth so if Zach Wilson can just be a little bit better I think that Brees Hall will be able to go ahead and He's still going to get stacked boxes, don't get me wrong. But if Zach Wilson can go out there, make a couple of just halfway decent throws throughout the game, naturally I think Brees Hall is going to get a little bit more leeway in terms of rushing lanes. Maybe it's nothing extreme, but with Brees Hall being the athlete he was, uh, with Brees Hall being, you know I'm saying, like a second-round pick. If y'all remember fantasy drafts just a couple years ago in Dynasty Leagues, Brees Hall was the one one rookie draft pick. Like this dude has talent. Help him out just a little bit in the passing game. And I do think that opens up some lanes for Brees Hall to be a tad bit more productive. And once again, if Zach Wilson can just be a little bit more efficient, help this offense gain 30, 40, 50 more yards, that'll get them not only closer to field goal range, but maybe one of those drives ends up with them closer to the red zone. And in the red zone, no one's as dangerous as Brees Hall. Who do I like to replace Tank Dell? No one. I think that Nico Collins and Dalton Schultz are going to eat a lot of targets. John Mechie would be the next guy up, but I don't really have too high of expectations with him. Uh, I think that this is an offense that's going to, you know, is a D'Amico Ryan's head coach team. So they're going to play a little bit of rougher football. I think they're going to use Nico Collins as a blocker. They're going to, you know, have Dalton Schultz flank out after blocking you know, falls out the window. Uh, So he'll have a lot of options as a tight end in this offense, but I do think they're going to run the ball. Singletary and Damian Pierce get the biggest jump on the Texans for me. All right. And uh, moving on, we got Josh Dobbs, who looks like he's going to hold down the Minnesota Vikings quarterback job. So if you're talking about Minnesota pass catchers, TJ Hawkinson is someone that I expect to have another big week. He's been extremely target heavy. With Josh Dobbs at quarterback, Jordan Addison is a little bit downgraded in my rankings. 
I have Jordan Addison this week as kind of like a real nice wide receiver three. I think that's more so his, his he's closer to his floor. Uh, though they do get the Las Vegas Raiders, a game where, I mean, the Vikings should win. I almost worry that Josh Dobbs, like Josh Dobbs targets Jordan Addison, but it's not the same targets as what Jordan got with Kirk. More so in that like Dobbs isn't really hitting Addison down the field as often as Kirk did. There's not as many deep shots. Uh, the targets are still relatively consistent. Like Jordan Addison had 10 targets in his last game, which was week 12 against the Bears. But out of those 10 targets, he caught six of them. And he had six catches for 39 yards. That's not great. Now, some other games, obviously, he's had better, um, you know, better turnouts. But since week nine, he has not been great. He's honestly been a sitable wide receiver since week nine. And, you know, it's I mean, you obviously kind of have to put some onus, some blame on the quarterback because Josh Dobbs, you know, what's the biggest difference It's Josh Dobbs. And since Josh Dobbs has entered the equation, Jordan Addison is no longer that high-end wide receiver, too, that he used to be throughout the earlier part of the season. I think we have to kind of somewhat adjust our expectations for him. Now, I love Jordan Addison as a receiver. I think that with the good quarterback, he's a top 12 type of NFL receiver. But once again, I mean, this team's just playing the win. They're not playing to blow people out. They're not playing for big explosive plays. They're kind of grinding it out every single week. So ultimately, long story less long, you know, um, I, I like Jordan Addison like as a dynasty prospect, and I'm sure he's going to have a couple of good weeks. While earlier in the show I said start your studs, if you have better options than Jordan Addison, someone who has been a lot more consistent over the past few weeks, I'm not mad at you starting them this week. I don't know what Jordan Addison's future really looks like with Dobbs. I know that his ceiling isn't what he used to be earlier this year. But if I had to readjust my rankings for Jordan Addison rest of the season, I think that, you know, he's a... If you're playing like a 12-team league, I love Jordan Addison maybe more so as like a wide receiver three. That would make him closer to like that wide receiver 35, 36 range. But just because of the touchdown regression, which I think was bound to happen regardless of who the quarterback was, uh, but also just, a, you know, maybe not as many uh, money throws and less depth of target with Josh Dobbs at the helm. Jordan Addison loses a little bit of a lure. And outside of TJ Hawkinson, I don't think there's any must starts on the Vikings offense. We'll see what happens with Justin Jefferson when he returns, because apparently he's supposed to be on track to play. However, if Justin Jefferson eats up more of those perimeter targets, because we know Dobbs loves hot, loves Hawkinson, uh, I'm sure Dobbs is going to find a way to get Justin Jefferson the ball. But Dobbs is also someone who's not, you know, throwing it 40 to 50 times a game like Kirk was. You kind of have to wonder what's going to be left over for Addison to eat. I'm done talking about Jordan Addison. Uh, but he is, once again, more so like a wide receiver three. He could have a good week here and there, but I think it's just going to be too tough to predict. I say start your studs, but as of the last few weeks, he ain't been one. 
the last game I really want to talk about too is going to be the Packer game. Uh, they play Monday night football against the Giants and Jordan Love has been cooking. We know that he's been a top 10 quarterback so far throughout the year. I love the Packers pass catchers. It looks like Aaron Jones might play Aaron Jones. If he does play is an automatic start. I mean, he's juice. He's one of the better offensive players on this team. And I think that, you know, within this new Matt LaFleur offense that focuses on, you know, utilizing your tight ends and there's a lot more motions and, you know, motions open up gaps. I think that Aaron Jones and his explosiveness um, can get, you know, into those gaps, make big plays and do what Aaron Jones typically does. I like Aaron Jones as an RB too. Luckily for us, if he does play, he'll be able to get his legs under him during the regular season. And if you've locked in a playoff spot and you know that you're going to be playing him rest of the season in the playoffs, I mean, you, you got to love that, right? The one thing I'll always say is that the week before the playoffs is the best time to have bad performances. If you guys are going to have a bad performance, you want to have it now, right? Because, I mean, maybe in my crazy mind, I'm thinking, hey, if my good players get their bad games out of the way, it'll be smooth sailing uh, rest of the season. Well, that's obviously just an idea, and there's no factual evidence to really back that up. Um, I'd rather my players kind of have that down week when it matters a little less more as opposed to when it's, you know, win or go home. So Packers, I got them beating the Giants. No Darren Waller back this week. Says that he's going to be back next week. We'll talk about that on uh, next week's episode when Dugo returns. Um, But outside of all of those games i hope you guys are in playoff contention we wish you nothing but the best of luck and moving forward make sure you hashtag go to gumbo um, and follow us on x at gumbo underscore pod if you need to find anything related to the podcast just go on google and type in fantasy football with gumbo and all of our socials websites videos will show up there But until we meet again, I'm wishing all of y'all the best of luck. You know the saying, happy fishing. And until we meet again, my name is Ja. And thank you for listening to another episode of Fantasy Football with Gumbo. Peace!